I am so, so, so excited to be here in Chicago. And uh, it's wonderful to be together again. Amen. Are you out there? I can't see you, but let me hear you. Are you out there? Thank you. Thanks. Awesome, man. You know, when we sing songs of victory, and how many of you know we need to sing, sing songs of victory? I'm always reminded that there's this incredible king who became a lamb and was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Gave up his life for us. No one took his life, he gave his life. But he came as a lamb. Worthy is the lamb. But what I love is that when Jesus comes back next time, He's not coming back as the Lamb. He's done the Lamb thing, and we're grateful for the Lamb thing, because without the Lamb, we have no salvation. But Jesus is not coming back as the Lamb to the slaughter. According to the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns, and I think it's soon and very soon, and I don't know what that means, but hopefully soon, but when it happens, and it's going to happen, He's coming back, according to the book of Revelation, as the righteous judge. He's coming back as the reigning king. And he's coming back for his bride to bring her to be with him. And I love that because it speaks of victory. It speaks of what he's done has ramifications for us. But when he comes back, the whole world will know who Jesus Christ really is. And I'm so delighted to be on His side serving Him, even here on this planet, because we know the guarantee is this, the victory belongs to the Lord. And that's not to hype us this evening, that's to get us to live in the finished work and remind us again through all the craziness that Jesus is in absolute control. He's ruling and reigning. And what He's done has ramifications for every single person on this planet and certainly for us in this room this evening. And it's my privilege this evening to be sharing the Word of God with you, and I'm delighted by that. I want to thank this, the, the team here for hosting us. Isn't it wonderful to be here? Well done to Anthem Church. And uh, I, I want to thank all the international people who've joined us in this great nation of the United States, the greatest nation in the world. Thank you very much. It really is. And Welcome to our great nation. We love you that you are here. We trust you blessed. We're delighted you've invested your time and, and your money to come and invest with us and be with us. And we're grateful, even for the Canadians who felt a little left out earlier. Thank you for being here too. It's great to have you Canadians. And also, if everyone from around the, the world, we, we really are grateful. Friends, we've got partners here. We've got uh, guys who come in and are going to share this week and preach from outside of the, this country. And They've come at their own cost. You need to know that. No one's paid them to come. They've paid their way to be here, and we're super grateful for that. To the rest of you from this great nation, we want to welcome you, and it's awesome that we get to be together as again. It's been a while. Something happened. There was a plague virus or some kind of thing. I don't know if you've heard about that, but uh, it's kind of stopped us from being able to gather, but it's wonderful to be together again. And I'm just delighted to be a part of it. So well done for coming out. And uh, I, I, like everyone else, really do believe we're in for a treat, a real treat. And not because we're here, because God is here. 
And God has done some significant things. How many believe that? I mean, through this crazy season, God's done some things, deep things. He's sorted some things out. And how many of you know we needed some sorting out? We don't think we do until things begin to shake. And then you realize, actually, in the shaking, we realize what we're really anchored to, what's really inside. And I think the best description I heard through this crazy season was that the makeup of the church has been removed. And now the heart of the church has been revealed. Can I just suggest, some of what was revealed was not nice. And I'm watching everyone want to put the makeup back on quickly. And listen, makeup's important. It covers a lot of things. But, <laughs> but we need to deal with what God's wanting us to deal with. Not cover it up, but let it be exposed so we can get hearts sorted out. And we can represent Jesus fully here on this planet. Amen? So well done to you guys who've made it and have come here. I, I, um, I'm going to be a brave preacher this evening. And I'm going to preach something I'm sure you all know, but I'm going to be faithful to the Lord even though you know this. I'm going to preach tonight like you've never heard this. And I'm going to ask you, not do you know this, I'm asking you under God, what are we going to do with what God's told us to do? See, I'm convinced that destiny is revealed way more in seasons of crisis and confrontation than it is in seasons of convenience and comfort. This crazy thing we've gone through with all this stuff, God's revealed destiny again and brought His plans and His purposes to the forefront again. And if we're honest, and I say this as a leader in the church, that we were probably real busy with the real good stuff, getting on with it, hoping and trusting that God's in it. But suddenly something happened that forced the whole world, and it wasn't an American thing, it was a global thing. The whole world was in a moment ceasing in their ability to do what they were naturally doing, and we were forced to see what are we doing. We keep saying God never paused what He was doing in this season. He perhaps stopped some of what we were doing in order to remind us again of what He is doing and to remind us that actually without Him, we cannot do anything. But the destiny has come back and God has brought to the forefront the things that really matter. And we are now in this incredible season, and who knows what's next, but this I know. Let's stick to what God's revealed. Let's stay there, and let's not go back to what was, because God's doing things now with a future in mind for what He's called us to. I've said this, and I want to just intro with this. I, I think three major things have been happening, and they continue to happen. The first thing is that people are sinning like never before. Now, people have always sinned. I know in Scripture, when the fall of man, and we understand sin into the world, but it's almost like sin is at another level around the world. And it's been exposed at every angle and every area from our government to the church and everywhere in between. And it almost seems like nobody cares anymore. So what? That's just life. That's the system. That's how it works. God cares. People are sinning, and it's been exposed, and it's been shown, and no one really cares. It's a sad reflection. I read this. A sad reflection of the church today 
that we are more afraid of holiness than we are of sinfulness. If you just read the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm not going to read that tonight, but just go read there. It speaks of godlessness in the last days. It actually outplays something of what we've seen today. And I, I do believe it's, it's in the Bible. And lawlessness and all the stuff we've seen today is being exposed. And guys, we are not exempt from it because it's in the church too. And it would seem that God's exposing things even in His church. And it's tragic and it's painful and I hope we're doing business that needs to be done so we can sort our issues out so we can stay the course to what God's called us to. So we've got the sin of people like never before. At the same time, secondly, we're seeing the devil rage like never before. The devil's raging right now. I believe that. And, and the Bible actually says in 1 Peter chapter 5, it tells us in verse 8, be self-control and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith is what we're told to do. So you've got people sinning. You've got the devil raging. And if I can be straight up, it would seem that I and many other leaders have been focused on those two things. Focus on what the world's doing and focus on what the devil's doing. But there's a third element we're missing God's doing something also. And if you're focusing on the world and you're focusing on the devil, you're not focusing on what God's doing. And God's saying, I'm here. I'm doing some stuff. This thing didn't catch me off God. I'm not surprised. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. I am shaking. I'm shaking it up. People are sinning, the devil's raging, and God is shaking. How many of you have sensed a bit of shaking in your life? How many of you have seen the church being shaken? It's part of the package, my friends. And while I hate the shaking, I must tell you, I hate being shaken. It's the best thing that can happen to us. Because God then reveals what's really inside. And He's so kind to us. He's so good to us that He allows it to happen this side of eternity. Where we get to adjust our lives and adjust our ministries and adjust our involvement. And not waste our lives and our energy and our resources and our lives and our ministry. And give everything we've got to one day get to heaven, which we'll get there. Not based on anything we've done, but on everything He's done. However... We'll see we wasted our lives here on earth. So God in His kindness and goodness and mercy shakes it up to say what's really inside and what really are we building. Shaking reveals what we are anchored to. We don't know what we're anchored to till we're shaken. And I've been praying into this thing of the shakings of God and God, what have you done? And I want to tell you, shaking breaks down things. When God shakes, things come down. How many of you know that? And we've seen things come down. And I want to suggest things will continue to come down as God continues to shake. Things come down in the shaking. But can I also say, in shaking, things break down. In the shaking, things break up. There's good, not just to bring us down, but to break things up. When God shakes, He breaks things up. When God shakes, He breaks things open. 
One of my favorite verses is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and, and it talks about God, the great door opener. Have you heard of that? I will open a door before you that no man can shut. How many of you love that? And we, I mean, listen, we claim that, oh God, that's awesome. The great door opener. But in that very same verse, he's also known as the great door closer. I'm going to say, I haven't heard too many preachers preach on the great door closer. Because every door that closes, we seem to blame the devil for. But the same one who opens doors that no man can shut is the same one who closes doors that no man can open. And part of the shaking is God opens things up, but also part of the shaking is He's closed some things out, down. And, and those of us who haven't been able to see what God's doing, perhaps, are so busy trying to reopen the doors that He's shut, because we're not aware that God's actually opened doors for us to walk through. How many of you have walked through doors in this season that have opened because other doors have shut? I mean, we've got testimonies of most of the pastors and leaders in this here today who've had opportunities because of the crazy season of the shaking of doors open. But some of us are still trying to go back to what was and go back to there and say, that door's closed. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's God who closed some of those doors. And may God give us as individuals and as His church in this nation the ability to know what He closed so we don't fast and pray for the next 10 years for a door to open that He has closed and once it closed, in order for us to walk through doors that are open. God shakes to break through. How many of you know God's a God of breakthrough? And part of the shaking is God breaks through, brings breakthrough. We've seen breakthrough. We've lost some things, but we've also seen breakthrough. Understand, shaking brings breakthrough. Shaking is God wanting to break in. This is where it gets a little awkward, but God wants His church back. And part of the shaking is so God can come back into His church because His people should be a people of His presence, not just a people who claim to know God, but people who show God because God is in our midst. Now, I know theologically God's everywhere. I understand that. God is omnipresent. I understand that. But God is also wanting to be incarnate. God is with us, and He wants to show Himself and break in and show Himself to His people again. He wants His church back, friends. It's His church, and He has the right to present His presence whenever He desires. I've been saying this, and people have been offended, and some have challenged me, but what would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just people? Probably it would look very different to the church we see around the world today. Because much of what we do is to try and get people, and I understand that, and we put things on, and we have the show, and we have, but God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And we can do things really well with the wrong heart. God wants the heart. It's back to the heart that matters to God. We don't talk around those things enough, but God wants to break in, friends. God wants to reveal Himself more and more. And it's easy to say God is everywhere because He is, but it's different when you have to say God is here. What will we do with God is here? And God wants to reveal here again more and more. I want more of that God. America needs the church with the presence of God, not spoken of, but revealed through His people day in and day out. So part of the shaking is God breaks in. Have we pivoted for God to break in? 
Another thing that happens when we shake, when he shakes, is things break out. God is about breaking out. Now, this crazy season was not to get us all to go Zoom and online. God didn't want the church to go online. God wanted his church to get out the building. So all we've done is just gone online and we're still in the building. We need to be a people who break out. And yes, we need to gather. And yes, we need buildings. And online's fine. But we need to go and be the church God's called us to be. And we know that. That's what's going to happen if we understand the shaking. Break out. God's called us to break out. I've said this many times, that the world at its worst needs the church at its best. Not a cliche. Think about that. Things are getting worse, and it's not negative. It's biblical. What in those moments should happen? The church should be getting better. Who's the church? Us. A.W. Tozer says, revival happens when the majority of people in the church decide to swallow the book and let it have its effect on their lives, whatever comes their way. (laughs) There are two trends that hurt the church's credibility. Inactive believers... And unbelieving activists. You're not going to like this, but I have to say this. One thing we need more, Christian books, than Christian government, Christian politicians, Christian businesses, Christian schools, Christian... Christian everything. Can I say there's one thing we need more than that? Christian Christians. No, no, listen. (laughs) Thank you for that golf clap over there. (laughs) Friends, I'm not trying to be funny here, but we have a way of, if only we had a Christian this and a Christian that, and, and that's great, but how about we just be Christians? We need Christians to be Christians. We need to be at our best as the church is at its worst. And so it's into these things I I, I would like to share this evening. A while back I had a friend who, I have a friend, and uh, he sent me a prophetic word that he had for me. He's not part of NCMI, he's a guy I trust well, he's a good guy, he's very prophetic, He just said that God put me on his heart for a couple of days, so he said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to give Tyron this word. And kind of the the basis of the word was that there's this season, I'm standing, he saw me standing on a dock uh, with pylons behind me, and there were all these uh, ships at sea. And uh, basically, he said there were two kind of ropes, one in, both into the, behind me, going into the pylon, cement pylon, speaking of foundations. And basically, what he said is that he saw me take those two uh, 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 ropes and pivot them. He used the word pivot and pivot them. And as I did that, all these ships across the distance all lined up with the pivot. And then he went on and said some other things that made a little more sense to me. And And I don't want to build my future and my life around a prophetic word, but I want to be faithful with what God says. 
So I've been going to the Father and given my incredible privilege of leading NCMI and the stuff I'm involved in. I want to do due diligence in what God says. And I, I've been praying, saying, Lord, well, what does that mean? What? And I, I don't want to build, as I said, a theology. But, but as I prayed and prayed, I felt God say they're pivots. And I've got like 36 pivots that I've come to. And they're not, don't worry, I'm not preaching on one of them tonight. But of how the church has had to pivot in this season from something to something else. And they're good pivots because they're back to what God intended. But as I prayed about it, I felt the Lord say, and again, this is not cliche, and nothing new because you've heard me talk about this, but I felt the Lord say that the church and these ships and boats that represented out there, they need to shift from a cruise ship mentality to a battleship mentality. And nothing new, and those of you who are awful military getting very excited, that's great. But I, I want to tell you this, friend, that there are too many cruise ships in our nation called churches that are just there to keep people happy, to keep them engaged, to keep them entertained, to keep them coming back. And we need a pivot in our mindset that the church has never been called to be a cruise ship. It's called to be a battleship. And I've had the privilege of being on both. Let me tell you about a cruise ship. It's, it's, it's an incredible moment to be where you come and everything's done for you. I've never experienced such opulence. I've never eaten so much food. I've never had people look after me so well. And like after two days, I'm ready to get off the ship. It's too much. Do you know the only thing you're required to do on a, battle, on a cruise ship is breathe because they can't do that for you. Otherwise, they would do that. How many of you have been on a, on, a, on a cruise ship? Come on, put your hands up, you sinners. This is church. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, that's cool. It's cool to have that as a moment, and that's fine. But you can't live on a cruise ship. You get fat. You, oh, you, loo you, you, you lose the reality of life. So enjoy your moments, but don't think that God's wanting His people to have this cruise ship mentality. If you've been on a battleship, it's, it's totally different. Yes, they both float on the water. But the difference is the one has a mission, the other is just keeping people happy. And the biggest difference between a battleship and a cruise ship is that everything on the cruise ship exists for the people on the cruise ship. But a battleship, everything they have exists for people who are not on that battleship. Now, this is not cliche and all oh, good point. No, no, this is the Lord speaking to us. Pivot from cruise ship, what's in it for me, to what are we called to do? How can we have impact? How can we shift from me to Him, us to Him, them, those people, these regions, these nations, as God moves. And so, uh, listen, guys, this is not new. And I've been in ministry quite a while. And I've grown up in the church. Fifty years I've been in the church. I've walked away a few times and that. But, but I've seen things. And here's the thing. Why is it that we always pivot back to cruise ships? Like, why do we have to always talk about moving back to a battleship? Why can't we just stay being a battleship? You know, I'll, yeah, I'll give my message away if I tell you that. So, so here's what I'm asking. I've been praying, Lord, how do we pervert? I can stand up here and tell everyone, let's pervert. Are you all ready? Okay, now we'll be a cruise ship. I mean a battleship. And then, and then we're, 
couple of, day, couple of weeks, we begin to, ah, oh, this is getting hard, and mm, I'm not sure. Pastors are back to, hey, we need more people. And here we go again. And I get those things. But how do we pivot and stay pivoted? Well, it's not a trick. No formulas. It's coming back to the Word of God. And you know the Word of God talks about? We must stay kingdom-focused in order to be a battleship. There is a difference, and you need to hear me this evening. I'm not anti-church. I'm all for church because Jesus is building His church. But if you church focus, you will be a cruise ship always. Oh, quiet. If we're kingdom focused, we should stay battleship till Jesus comes back. No tricks. No tricks. People lose their way. When people lose their why, we've got to keep coming back to king and kingdom. If we keep coming back there, why don't we stay there then rather having to go back there? Tonight, I want to just open up these truths for a moment. And the other people who will preach or be around this, but I'm, I, I, this is not my favorite message. I've got some really good ones I felt the Lord gave me, but this is faithfulness to the king. I want to tell you, I've birthed, I, the church that these guys are leading in, um, in Colorado, Denver, Nicole and I planted that church, and we planted that church with this truth of being a kingdom church. In actual fact, I remember preaching some of, yeah, some of these guys are here, were on eldership, and I remember preaching some of what I'm preaching, going to share tonight, and Rush Doty, he was on our eldership, is now planted in Tasmania, came to me and said, well, I guess today we have see, uh, uh, nailed our colors to the mast. In other words, what we've presented is offensive to most Americans. And I'm saying that as an American. Even though I don't sound like you, I am you. And I'm probably happier to be American than most of you. Seriously. I love this country dearly, and so does God, just so you know. And He hasn't left this country for another country, like the prophets tell us. This country has a great future because God has a future for His church in this nation to other nations. You need to know that. It's not patriotic. It's kingdom understanding. We're not here for leftovers. God hasn't left us because of our history or 200 years of whatever. God has a plan for this nation and always had a plan. But can I say it's not for the nation. It's for the church in the nation. Maybe that's what he's shaken a bit to show you. It's not a nation thing. It's a church thing. A kingdom thing, not a nation thing. If I've lost you, please love me. I love this nation. Colossians 1.13, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and He has brought us into the kingdom, transferred us into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? Saved out of, saved into. Saved from, not just saved out of, saved into what? Not the church, the kingdom. We've been transferred into the kingdom. If you're saved here tonight, you're in the kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us thankfully and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let us be thankful. How many of you have been thankful in this season <laughs> and honor Him? Why? Because we're part of an unshakable kingdom. So the stuff that's been shaken has not been the kingdom. It's a good thing. So we, 
Come to Him in reverence and awe and honor. It's the kingdom that's declared to be unshakable, friends. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom, His will, and His righteousness, His way, and all these things will be given to you. That's what we call to seek first. How many of us are seeking first the kingdom? Because that's what Jesus told us to do. That's the believer's priority is the kingdom of God. That's what we be called to. It's the total good, the highest value. Above there, there is no greater value or worth. The ultimate, nothing greater or higher. Seek first the kingdom. One of my friends in the room and I were talking about the kingdom recently in Matthew 13, verse 44. It says this, the kingdom, this is what Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had to buy the field. You know the story. Why did he buy the field? For the treasure. He didn't buy the field to have another field or to have a field. He only had value for the field because of the treasure that the field had. And can I just state this? Some of us are owning property for getting why we have that property. We're not called to look after the property, the field. We're called to invest in the treasure, the treasure that gives us the ideal of what that property is about. Are you with me? Some of us are mowing the lawn of the... T- That's another joke. But it, I'm serious. You only have that field. He only wanted the field, not for a field, because of the treasure. The treasure was not the field. The treasure is the kingdom. That's the value, friends. Don't forget, he bought the field for the treasure, not to have a field. Romans 14, 17, and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So let me just tell you that kingdom living is the central theme of the entire New Testament. Jesus spoke more in the Gospels about the kingdom than anything else. There are more than 90 references in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus' first sermon was the kingdom of heaven is at hand or is near, Matthew 4, 17. He prayed to the Father that His kingdom would come here on earth, Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. It's the kingdom that is delivered over to the Father, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. It's the kingdom that demands repentance, Matthew 3, verse 2. It's the kingdom that Jesus, uh, that Jesus explained to the bewildered disciples before Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says that after his suffering, he presented himself and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And for 40 days, he preached the kingdom. Before he went to the cross, after he went to the cross, the kingdom. It's the kingdom that Nicodemus was seeking at great personal risk. In John 3 verse 3, Jesus said, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's the kingdom that is not in word but in power, according to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20. So here's what I want to say. The church is in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in the church. However, the church is not the kingdom. 
And I know some of you have been taught differently, but I want to not address those issues, their hearts of those people who taught you. I want to address their theology. Biblically, they're wrong. Now, don't get mad. I'm asking you to read the Bible. But when we make the church the kingdom, we will always be cruise ship mentality people. The church is in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. In actual fact, one is the purpose, and one are the people of the purpose. The kingdom is the purpose, the church is the people of the purpose. Now, how many of you know, the people of the purpose should never be the purpose? So you don't separate them, they... Unsepar- they cannot be separated. The best way I can describe it, it's like two legs. How many of you know you need both legs? But two legs doesn't make one leg. They're not the same leg. They're two legs that work together. And I, and I know that this is probably freaking some of you out. I'm not asking you to listen to me. I'm asking you to come back to the Word of God. Because friends, I don't try to judge those people. I just want to say the Bible is very clear that we are not the kingdom. Because how many of you know shaking has taken place? The church has been shaken. 35,000 churches in America have shut down through COVID and will never open. If they were kingdom, they would open. Why? Because the kingdom cannot be shaken. We who lead local churches have seen people fall. We've seen shaking. I've been in the church most of my life. It's been shaken to the core of its being most of my life. Why? Because it's not kingdom. (laughs) The church is in the kingdom. And the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. We need to pivot from being church-focused to kingdom-focused. The kingdom of God is unshakable. The kingdom of God is eternal. No beginning, no end. It began in eternity and consummates in eternity. The kingdom of God is absolute, neither relative nor changes. The kingdom of God is infinite, no limit in time and space. Can I say None of those descriptions apply to the church. Hello? There's a distinction between the two, and it needs to be clear. The reciprocal nature of the two must be held in tension. We can never separate the kingdom from the church, and I have no intention of doing that tonight because we need both, and Jesus is building His church, but He's given us a job to advance the kingdom. They walk together as two legs needing each other, but they have different meanings and content. The kingdom is the purpose. The church are the people that fulfill the purpose. So can I say the church needs to view itself again as Jesus did? We, the church, are not the goal of mission. We, the church, are the agent, the vehicle of mission. 